I'm going to read two, from two passages. One is on page 930, Matthew chapter 16. We're going to hear what Jesus says about the church. Uh, my topic this evening, by the way, is I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and I believe in the communion of saints. So I want to take those lines from the creed and unpack them tonight. Uh, so this is, uh, first one's in Matthew, the other one's in Ephesians. But first, Matthew, page 930, if, you've got the, if you're in the green Bibles, or, uh, it's on the screen. Great. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of death will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. And just across to um, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the Ephesians, page 1108. And uh, I'm going to just read various sections from chapter 1. Um, Paul, an apostle, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Down to verse 11. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Verse 22. And God placed all things under his, as Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to speak from your word. Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to speak of your church. So beautiful, so precious to you. I pray, Father, that uh, the words that I speak may do justice, may give glory to your vision for your church here on earth. And Lord, inspire us this evening. Lift our hearts, open our minds, shape our wills that we as church would live to your praise and glory. Teach us, Lord, if necessary, rebuke us, correct us. Lord, we dare not live under anything other than the glorious vision of you who fills everything in every way on earth. 
So bless us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. I believe in the communion of saints. Um, and uh, wouldn't you know it, I, I, it's my little hunch that it's the enemy. That he doesn't want Christians on earth to have a real grasp of church. Because if Christians really understood who they are as church, who we are as church, boy, the, the devil is toast and all his sulfuric cohorts. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, Jesus says. Gates are a defense mechanism. Gates are what you kind of cling to and hide behind when something's on the attack. I will build my church and the gates of hell. Hell is on the defensive, Jesus says. I will build my church. Jesus has a vision for church raining down on hell. And hell will not prevail the attack of church. A little bit different maybe from the sort of caricature in the press and the media. Some of the sort of uh, sitcoms. Rev. Anyone watch Rev? He's a sweetie, isn't he, Rev? Tries his best. Never quite gets there. <sighs> church. We are far more potent, far more real. We have, we have so much more to celebrate and rejoice in, church. I will build my church, Jesus says. So what I want to do this evening is with those, that line, I believe, do you remember that, that sort of leaning back, I'm, I'm depending on this kind of faith. I believe in the holy Catholic church, the communion of saints. And uh, I, I want to uh, just work at our definition of church because I think the enemies kind of confuse that for us. I want to work at our definition of holy or our understanding of holy because I think, again, that's got skewed in our understanding. So we get a little bit sort of, we're a bit embarrassed about thinking of ourselves as holy because of the caricatures that it fills in our minds. Catholic, I gather um, when we announced the creed, someone said, oh yeah, that line, are we a Catholic church? So it's confusion. We're not a Catholic church, are we? I'll come on to that and explain what we mean when we say that. So that when we come to that line, I believe in the holy Catholic church, we can say it with conviction and confidence. It makes a difference to the way we live, live our lives. Say a little bit about the communion of saints. That's the sort of uh, roadmap for the next few minutes. Sound all right? Let's go. I will build my church. The word that Jesus, uh, the Greek word there is ecclesia. It's a compound word in the, in the Greek, ek and kaleo. Ek means to sort of from and kaleo is to call. So ecclesia is called from or called out. Christians, the church, are literally those who are called out by God. Picked, if you like, for a purpose. An ecclesia is a, is a gathering of people for a purpose. So uh, to just down the road at SW19, a whole lot of people have been an ecclesia around uh, Centre Court celebrating Murray's victory. They were, they were gathered for a purpose to watch some tennis. We are gathered here this evening and, and billions around the world today are gathered as ecclesia all around the world gathering to worship God, called by him. Called out from whatever we were doing. Maybe we were watching the tennis or we were preparing for a week's work or we were involved in some leisure activity or whatever we were doing. And God calls us to pay attention to him, to worship to him. Ecclesia. Elsewhere in the New Testament, the word that's used is kuriake. Kurios, Lord. Kuriake, it's genitive, of the Lord. 
or belonging to the Lord. So the church is picked by God, called out by him, and it belongs to him. It's a group of people who belong to him. A special possession. Just uh, if, you, if you've got uh, the Ephesians passage open. Chapter 1 and uh, verse 19. You also, he's talking to Gentiles. In other words, I'm guessing most of us, uh, not originally God's people, the Jews, but others who were included. Verse 13. You also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you be- were believed, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who's a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. You were marked. You've got a special possession, something of value. You, you, you would mark it, so you can put these little security tags, can't you, these invisible things. So you, in fact, insurance companies now sometimes insist that you do that on your prized possessions. You, 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 you lay down some insurance. You, you'll invest in protecting something that's special. That's what Jesus does with his people. We're marked by the Spirit because we belong to him. We're, we're a special possession. The church is so precious to Jesus. He marks us. You belong to me. So church. Let's, it's, it's ever so hard because in our English language, church, it's, it's come to mean the building. And so we, we talk about, oh, are you going to church? And what we mean is, are you, are you going to that building in Parsons Green? Are you, are you going to an event? It's always something impersonal. It's like a, you know, a meeting uh, or a gather, you know, something I gather to. It's the building. No. That's, that's not the biblical understanding of church. Church is not something you go to. It's, it's who you are. It's who we are. We are church. We're the ecclesia, picked by God. We're the curiake. We belong to God. We are his prized possession. Do you hear that, church? We're a living thing. Ephesians 1 and uh, 22. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Jesus, who we've, we've said in the creed, he's uh, risen, ascended, sits at the right hand of the Father. He's alive today, Jesus. He is the head. And we are, we are part of his body. Appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, verse 23. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We're a living thing. Blooming bookmarks. I need some magnetic bookmarks or something like that. Well, no, then I'd need a magnetic bookmark. No, forget that. No. This statement in the creed, it's, it's interesting, again, I'm sure the enemy's in this too. I, I don't have a bad day on the devil, but it's just all the different things that we wrong foot. You know, in the, with the creed, we say, I, but we start, I believe in God. The, yeah, good start, solid. And then I believe in Jesus Christ. And we have a whole load of things. We've preached through this. Uh, born the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius, crucified. That we talked about what that means. Then on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. Yes. And then I believe in the Holy Spirit. Pat preached last week. Yes. And then in the creed, if you sort of realize it, you know, as you sort of read the rhythm, it then sort of turns into a little bit of a list. Now, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. And I believe in the communion of saints and the forgiveness of sins and the resurrection of the body and the life. And we kind of run out of steam, don't we? And the life everlasting army. <laughs> but actually, you know, theologically, this is the climax. 
I believe in God who has revealed himself through Jesus. And Jesus came and lived amongst us, God and man. And he died in order that we might, he took our death so we live his life. That's why he died, crucified, dead, buried. But God raised him to brand new life. Oh, it's climbing, it's climbing. And he is now risen and seated with God with all the power and authority in heaven. I believe in the Holy Spirit. That's how we come to know God. That's how Jesus lives in us. I believe in the church. It's the climax. It's kind of, it's pacing there. We get to play in the great schemes of God here on earth. We are his hands and his feet. We're his eyes and his ears. We are how the world gets to know what Jesus is like. God has placed all things under his feet for the church. Who is his body? His hands, his feet, his eyes, his ears, his mind, his heart, so that others come to know him. Paul, in the letter of the Corinthians, you're the body of Christ, just backs up this point. And every one of us is a part of the body. We're not, we're not all joined to Jesus. That's, that's as sort of anatomically abhorrent as it is theologically abhorrent. You know, a body is, is, is all interconnected, sinews and ligaments and joints and bones. And they, all, they all have coherence under the head. If you chop the head off a body, then the whole of the body dies. But, but they all interconnect. We, it's, it's a beautiful picture. It's like I look out, you, you look out one another. We're all kind of, we know, someone knows someone. There are some people who are new, some people who have been here a long time. Some people have obvious gifts in this direction, others in the other. Some people just, just earlier on today, some love people. The other person saying, Do you know, I just, I'm really quiet. I just love to kind of almost be invisible, they said. It's just every single person has different parts, different gifts. They all interconnect to make this beautiful body, the church. And as the world looks on this beautiful body, it sees what it is to be God in human form. It's a pointer. We're not perfect. I'll come on to the holy in a minute. But it's the way in which the world glimpses what it is to see God amongst us. You are the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ, picked, belonging to God, to live amongst our colleagues and friends, our housemates, to show them what God is like. Does that sound daunting? A little bit, isn't it? If we, if we really think about that, if we really just dwell on that for a moment, we represent God. Paul says we're Christ's ambassadors. We represent God to others. And that, you see, that would be daunting if we didn't have the line before that Pat preached on last week. If, if Jesus was just an example for us to try and follow, but no, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Pat talking about being filled by the Spirit, literally engodded. God in us. So he inspires us, he empowers us, he calls out of us who we are so that we might express that to our neighbours and friends, our contacts and colleagues. So that's church. Ecclesia, gathered I'm called out for a purpose, Kuriake, belonging to the Lord. We're, we are the church, it's not something we go to. 
It's something that we are, whether we gather in this funny-shaped building or whether we're sitting in front of a screen sometime this week or we're talking to a client or we're teaching a class or we're treating a patient or we're working on a spreadsheet or whatever it might be, we are church, God's possession. I believe in the holy church. And here's where we maybe get a little bit uncomfortable. Um, because uh, word association with holy, why don't we, let's play a game. I say holy, you say yes. pure, pious, pious. Moly. holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Simon's church warden, it just has that left field on everything. <laughs> Love that, holy moly. <laughs> Yeah, pure, pious, kind of good, perfect maybe. We think holy, don't we? Holier than thou, we have that phrase, which is actually interesting. That's a bit of a put down, isn't it? You don't, no one wants to be described as holier than thou. That's a, that's a kind of veiled insult, if it isn't a, a direct one. Uh, yeah, and uh, of course, we look around the church. The church is, is by no means perfect. I, uh, I came across these. Um, these are all in, have appeared in church bulletins or church notice sheets. Uh, downtown. Some of them are just simple typos. It's just a little typo. Um, so the senior choir invites any member of the congregation who enjoys singing to join the choir. I think they needed to put a G in there. Um, or attend and you will hear an excellent speaker and heave a healthy lunch. I think there's probably meant to be have. At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. The sermon this morning, Jesus walks on water. The sermon tonight, searching for Jesus. <laughs> the peacemaking meeting scheduled for tonight has been cancelled due to a conflict. <laughs> Our youth basketball team is back in action on Wednesday at 8pm in the recreation hall. Come out and watch us kill Christ the King. <laughs> <laughs> so we make, we make all sorts of mistakes. We're, we're, we're none of us perfect. We are, uh, we're a work in progress. That's the doctrine of sanctification. God is working in us uh, to purify us. But the word holy, um, again, it, its root is from the, the word cut. And uh, it, it really has this sense of being set apart, separated. But not in a kind of superior way. It just set apart as in different or unique so again, you, you just, it's a kind of cliched illustration is it, of, of sort of someone picking a team at school for sport. And there's a, whole, there's a whole group of people, and whoever's picking the team, the teacher or the captain, whatever it is, so I want you. I said, this is what God has done. He's picked you. And so, right, you come and stand, and you come, you come apart. You're separated because you've been chosen. And that's what it is for us to live in the world amongst the people that we work with and live with, we're called to live amongst the world as Jesus did. He incarnated, the word became flesh and lived amongst us. He, he wasn't separated in that sense, but he was unique. There was something about him as he, li as he lived amongst us that we noticed. He's, he's with us, but he's, there's something special, there's something unique. And that's the sense with holy because we're called by God and he lives in us by his spirit. Therefore, we would expect that as we live amongst our colleagues and friends, there'd be something different about us. Something kind of that's, that differentiates us, that in that sense separates us. 
What is it that, that makes the church holy? Well, here we're in Matthew. Let's see how the church was, was born, as it were. Page 930. Or if we have the, we can have those ones back on the, the screen. First of all, the church has a unique founder, Jesus Christ. And again, we've, I won't spend time on this because we've looked at this. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. We looked at Jesus. God saves. Christ is the title, anointed one. He's unique. There is no other world religious leader who has died and risen to brand new life. He is unique. The Christian claim on that one event alone is unique. The church is unique because of its founder. Secondly, the church is unique because of its foundation, what it's built on. And here we are in this little text. Let's just, just look at this for a moment. Jesus says to his disciples, who do you say that I am? Verse 13, chapter 16 of Matthew. He replies, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah. They, they have a, a punt. He says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Have you, have you kind of seen who, have you seen my true identity? And Peter's the one who, I, I bet his heart was beating a little bit. You know, you, you know that time we remember at school, uni or something, when the you kind of professor or teacher or whatever throws out a question and you... You know when you sort of, you think, I think I know, I think I know the answer. And it's a little bit of a risk, because if you kind of throw out the answer in front of all your mates and you get it wrong, you look, you look a bit of a, a, a nuns, don't you, really? And it's a bit, it's a little bit of a risk. So you, could you have a little, did you ever get that, your little sort of heart? Or were you all so bright and intelligent, you knew you got the right answer, you'd nailed it every time? I wasn't one of those. I was sort of, if I was going to have a punt, I thought, could it be? And that's what Peter's doing here. You're, you're the Messiah, or the Christ. You're, you're God's anointed. I, I, I think I've seen it. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, and here's the key, for seeing what the church is founded on. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. In other words, you didn't work that out yourself. That wasn't your own intuition or your own intelligence or your own ability to logic or piece together evidence. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. In other words, Jesus is saying the ability to see who Jesus is, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, is revealed to us by God. It's given to us as revelation. We, we kind of receive that and act on it. Now that's unique. It's Christianity and, and the church that flows out, out from Christianity is not, it's not an ideology. It's not just a new way or another way of thinking about life. It's not like all the sort of ologies or all the different theories, all the, you know, mindfulness. Hey, it's good. Mindfulness, yeah. Good. But that's not, not going to lead you to God. It's a helpful little practice. Christian church has called it meditation down the centuries. But if you want to call it mindfulness, fine. But it's the inner of itself. It's not going to lead you to God revelation by God which we receive by faith that enables us to see who Jesus is that is what will lead you into the heart of the church that's how you'll know that you are belong, uh, belong to him that's how you'll know you're his treasured possession a unique founder and a unique foundation just on that before uh, I'll just move on because we're, I'm conscious, uh, so listen to how we um, sell ourselves, if you like, here at St. Dee's as a church. Hey, welcome, great to see you. We've got, you know, we're going to the park, we're going to buy you a drink. 
uh, plenty of time to chat, and you know the piece. That's probably the, this is arguably one of the longest sessions of peace you'll find anywhere in the Church of England. Most, if it, just to warn you, if you go to another church in the Church of England, as for just in case you're so one, you know, and you, you want to know how to behave in other churches, when they do the peace, basically what you do, you peace, peace. <laughs> that is basically the peace, okay? If they have the peace at all. So all this sort of extended chat for ten minutes, that's pretty sort of right on the edge of of kind of um, what it is, relaxed sociability. I've just lost my point. I went off script and then I've, I've forgotten. Why was I saying that? Oh, that's right. Revelation. Yeah. So it's, it's friendly. It's relaxed. It's kind of a nice place to be. Uh, ladies and gents, that isn't church. Because the white horse is friendly and relaxed. It's a nice place to be. Or the, the gym or the sports club or, or wherever, wherever you hang you know, a club or bar or, or whatever, and they're a nice place to be, and you can chat and socially and be known and get known. And, and not. That's, it, it's all great. I'm not knocking any of it. And I'm not knocking that element of what we do, but it isn't church in and of itself. It's, it's, it's only part of what we do. Church is when those who have seen who Jesus Christ is and have responded, you are my Messiah, Savior. You are my Lord. I will orient my life, my dreams, my ambitions, my hopes around you. I'll take myself off the throne of my life. It's not about me. It's about you. First and foremost, it's about you, Jesus Christ. That's what we're saying in the creed. That's what the church is. Is, is that what you are? Are you someone who is first and foremost? Is that what you said and declared in your heart? We said it to Jesus, maybe shared it with one or two other people. That, that's what it is to be a Christian. It's, it's, this life I'm living is not about me, it's about you. And I'm living my life for you. As you live in me and empower me and inspire me and enable me to do it. Is that you? Are you part of his church? Or, or is it still a, I don't know, you've been coming along, hey, loving it, great, nice people. But is that basically where it ends? You, you need to take that step like Peter. I, I see who you are, Jesus. And I'm, I'm going to lay down all that I am in order to grasp all that you are. The church, holy. It, it, it's, it's set apart because it has a unique... We have a unique founder. We have a unique foundation. We have a unique future. It's just in that little text there. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I think Pat mentioned it earlier on in one of these talks, as the ultimate statistic in life, one out of one people die. <laughs> Death will come to each and every one of us, and then what? I believe he will come to judge the living and the dead. We will face the Lord Jesus Christ. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. But if we are in him, if he looks at us and says, come to my right, good and faithful servant, we heard just the other day, the sheep and the goats. And if he, he knows you and recognizes you because you bow the knee to him, then we can pass through physical death to life everlasting. Pat's on that next week. So we need not fear death or all that uh, parades around death. We, we can kind of give a perspective to our lives. It's not all about the here and now. No one talks about death in the, in the media and uh, round about in our sort of peer groups and so on. But it is, it is that inevitability of death that 
begins to squash in on our worldviews and understandings. That's, that's why we're so, we're so desperate to get everything now, while we're young, while we're energetic, because who knows? And it's that fear of the who knows that, that exacerbates the now and robs us so much of the now. But, but because we have a unique future, life through death, it, it, it gives us a sense of perspective. Now, I don't have to have it all now because I have it all then and for eternity. So I can, I can exercise the fruit of the Spirit, patience. I can exercise the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. Because I've got an eternal perspective. I have a unique founder, a unique foundation, a unique future. That's what it is to be the holy church, the set-apart church. Just, just on this, by the way, uh, again, another caricature of holiness is and that kind of sense of set-apart, of, of, of sort of unique, maybe speaks into an idea that Christians, we should withdraw uh, kind, of, kind of, you know, withdraw, particularly from sort of, you know, the flesh pots of the city. Uh, I shouldn't go to those clubs. I shouldn't go to those pubs. I shouldn't mix with those kind of people. But actually, if you think about Jesus, the most holy, in a, in a theological sense, the most holy person, what did he do? He didn't withdraw from sin. He moved towards it. He embraced it. And then he transformed it. And there's the challenge for us, actually. The challenge is, can we go to the bars and the clubs? Uh, can we go where everyone else goes for a great time? And can we be set apart? Can we be unique as we go towards those places? Can we do what Jesus would do? Go to the pubs and the bars and the clubs. Go to wherever people are at, but live differently. Can we, can we slay the kind of the gods of this age? in the way in which we approach, for example, our attitude to sex. You know, it, Jesus and the church gives us a different way to look at and view sex. I did, the, the, the myth here is, you, it's a powerful one, is that you know, you've got to get as much sex as you can before you're 30. Because basically over 30, well, you'll be lucky. I mean, if you're in a married relationship, so on, 40, forget it. 50, you're joking. No one has sex when they're 50. Can I just say? Well, if you're not going to hear, however many, however, how many other 50-year-olds do you hear just, just giving you a different perspective? So, so he just takes the sting off it. And then I think, well, hang on a second. What, what am I living for? Am, is it really all about getting sex? Or actually, is life in this realm about intimacy? Has society around us confused sex for intimacy? And if I know the one true living God who fills me in every way, I believe in the Holy Spirit. If I know what it is to be in tune with my Creator to such a degree, do I need to grasp at other things quite so voraciously? Is there another way to, to live amongst men and women? Or, or, or alcohol? Is there a different way to be holy in amongst? We go to the bars, we go to the pubs. But it's quite interesting. Happy hour. That's an interesting concept. That, that if we give you even more drink for the same price, now, in, in this now, you buy more drink, you'll be happy. Anyone really believe that? <laughs> if, you, if you take that to its logical conclusion? 
We kind of know, don't we? And is, is happiness actually what God is looking ultimately to give us as opposed to joy? Can we go and, and is it possible to go and, and have a drink? And if, if we're you know, into alcohol, not everyone is, by the way, sensitive to that. We can, you can go to the pub and have a lemonade. I often do. <laughs> Cheaper. <laughs> but we, could go, we can go into that place and just live differently. We can exercise joy. It doesn't go up and down with happiness. It's kind of steady state joy. There's a different way to live in and amongst a broken and fractured world that is, is worshipping other gods. We can worship and we can demonstrate how to worship the one true living God by the way in which we have attitudes to some of the key things in our lives. Sex and alcohol. There's a challenge. The idea of sort of being a holy church sounds a little bit anemic, doesn't it? It was sort of saintly and sort of... Actually, this is quite robust. This is strong. This is tough. This is challenging. You're up for the challenge. Church. Do you want to be a holy church? that goes towards sin in order to engage with it and see if we can be agents with God's power in his strength to transform it. There's a guy, when I was, when I was uh, in my late teens, and my gap year, and I hadn't quite worked out with, with alcohol. I was, I was uh, prone to one or two sherbets too many on occasion. And there was a guy who was a Christian, about two or three years ahead of me. He was, he was a funny guy, really sort of witty. Uh, he was just a cool guy. And we often went for, we played the same cricket team, we often went for uh, a few drinks after the, after the match, because most people are sinking at lagers. And he's having, he's having, he had a, it was red, I don't know what, it must have been sort of like a, a, some kind of cordial and soda. It was just a pint of red something. And he just was drinking, but life and soul apart, all part of it. He was right in there, but he didn't drink. And uh, there was quite a lot of language floating around. Um, and bawdy stories and that kind of thing. And I remember he was, again, he used to swear, but he, he said, he, his word, he just said, oh, bogey. <laughs> and again, I, if you think about that, it's a kind of, I'm, I'm in there with the expletive, but it isn't a foul word. Or it doesn't demean sex, or the opposite sex. It's, it's, not, a, it's not derogatory in that sense. Well, unless you're offended by bogeys, but I mean... It's... I, just, I just, I don't know, there was something very appealing about the way he was right in there but holy, set apart, he was different. It was very attractive. As a kind of young Christian at the time, it was very inspiring to think, wow, there's a, there's a more, I could, I could imagine, I could imagine, I'm gonna need to allow God to sanctify me to get to that place, but I could imagine being like that guy. There is a different way to live that's holy. I believe in the holy church. Hey, in, in your triplets or your small groups or wherever it is where you, you meet and engage and pray with one another. And if you don't do that, boy, are you missing out. But when you meet together, wrestle with this, chew over this. What does it mean to be holy? What does, that, what does it really mean? What does that look like in my life? What does that look like in my week, in my month as I look ahead? What will it look like to live holy? Quickly, Catholic. I believe in the Catholic Church. It's just a misunderstanding here from the Reformation. Uh, the Catholic Church, a Roman Catholic Church based on the Pope at Rome and Martin Luther, Middle Ages, uh, fed up with this. He posted up 95 points, bullet points that he had against the church, posted them on the door of Wittenberg University in 1517. Thank you very much. Oh no, so it's good. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Did I get the rest right? 
<laughs> no, no, thank you. It's really helpful. 15, 17, got it right. Confident, I can move on. Uh, it, it was, and so out of that was the Reformation, the reforming, Reformation, the reforming of the church. And it was basically a protest at um, the, the universal church. It was protesting about the way in which it had, it had uh, just become prey to all sorts of abuse. And so the Protestant protesting Reformation took place. And, and we stand loosely in that heritage. We are Protestants. We stand with uh, the, the outworking of Luther and others' Reformations. Uh, and so we kind of, we, it was in, in one sense, unfortunate, there was a kind of teasing apart of the Roman Catholic Church, headed under the Pope in Rome. Uh, we became the Protestant Church. And we stand in that tradition. So we are, if people ask, we are a Protestant church. So why do we say I believe in a Catholic church? Well, you'll notice in the creed, it's, it's not a capital C for that flavor of the church worldwide. It's a small c. And it literally means it's another word for, an old word really, for universal or worldwide. So that's what we're saying. I believe in the universal or the worldwide church. And with as much grace as I can, I'm looking to uh, recognize myself alongside Catholics and Baptists and Pentecostals and Orthodox and anyone who sees Jesus. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. This was revealed by the Father. Anyone who's received that revelation and is living out of it, they are my brother and sister. They are part of the worldwide church. I say, I believe in the worldwide church. Why, why is that important? Well, particularly with this surface here, the five at St. Dee's, look around. How universal do we look? <laughs> you look wonderful, by the way. But you are pretty much, I can see one or two black faces. I can see one or two people who may be over um, <laughs> 35. <laughs> uh, you all look pretty, I'm guessing most of you are tertiary educated. We're not, we're not massively representative, even of this area. It's a challenge for us, actually. Uh, if you look, you look at the 2011 census results and map who actually lives around us and who we are here, we're not as representative as we, we could be. And that's why we need to, to understand ourselves connected into other brothers and sisters. We, we'll take for granted tomorrow, we'll have three square meals, if, or as many as we like, breakfast, lunch, supper, snacks in between. Uh, we're free to move wherever we want. We, when we go home, we'll know our house will be there. For, for millions of our brothers and sisters around them, they don't know where their next meal is coming from. They don't know if they're going to have a roof over their head. They're, they're not free to worship in the way that we are able to gather here. And we're connected with them. And they connect with us. They depend on our prayers and our generosity. That's why you know, part of our giving through channels goes through the Church of England to churches around the world less fortunate than ourselves. We're connected to the Catholic Church, the Universal Church. I believe in the by the way, that's where so the creeds, that, that creedal statement is, is declared around the world. The Lord's Prayer is prayed in goodness knows how many uh, languages around the world. Our colics and creeds all around the world. We believe that Jesus came for all have sinned. Universal problem, universal solution. Jesus came and died for our sins, for everyone who responds around the world. So I believe in the Holy Church. I believe in the Catholic Church. Briefly, finally, I believe in the communion of saints. Uh, Paul, did you notice in that greeting, to the saints? Saints is just a, a 
a kind of Bible word for Christians, for those who are in the process of sanctification, in the process of being made holy. I believe I'm part of that body. And in the letter to the Hebrews, no time to turn to it, but in chapter 11, you may be familiar with a kind of list of heroes of the faith. And then in chapter 12, he says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, excuse me, let us persevere, let us press on in the faith. Because of all these heroes, or as it were, but he pictures them almost sort of in the stands, shouting us on. We've, we've got saints that we're connected with, the Catholic Church, all around the world. There are two, over two billion people who take the name of Jesus Christ on their lips in the world today. But we've got all the generations who've gone before. Saints in the past and saints around us all the time. We belong and believe in the communion of saints. I love how that kind of just teases against our individualism in this culture and society. We, we depend less and less in our day-to-day lives on other people. It's, it's possible just through clicking on a screen to, do, to live. I don't have to go to the shops. The shopping can come to me. Click, click, click. And it's just delivered. The only person I meet is the delivery person at the door. I can, it, it is possible to live in such an isolated way. I believe in the communion of saints. We, we rail against that. I belong to you, you belong to me, we belong to the church in Hammersmith and Fulham, to the church in London, to the church of England, to the Anglican communion worldwide. It it rails against that, it's all just down to us. It stops that kind of Luther called sin, a life turned in on itself. It it helps us against that, that battle of sin. We don't orbit around ourselves, we we think of, pray for, and are aware of the communion of saints. And that's the challenge, little ditty. To live above with saints I love, that to me is glory. To live below with saints I know, well, that's a different story. And that's the challenge. As we meet in our groups, as we meet in our trips, as we meet as church, you know, we will all be different from one another. The challenge is to recognize what God is doing in and through us. Don't, don't, Change who you are, but recognize who the others are and and look for God in them and how you can play a part in calling that out. What a vision. What a challenge as church. I believe in the holy Catholic church. I believe in the communion of saints. Amen? Amen. Amen.